Hi there, we're your IP consultants. This is about to be highly indulgent. So sit back and unpack your anti-convulsants. And we'll tell you where to shove your Stanleys and Vulcans. We'll use this device for unsolicited advice. You didn't ask us for it, but you can't beat the price. We offer up our services from the U.S. to Sweden. We're your IP consultants, Vincent and Ian. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of IP Consultants. We are your IP Consultants. My name is Ian. And my name is Vincent. And we are here to let you know how you're screwing up your intellectual properties and just how you can fix them. Yeah. What are we talking about today, Vincent? (laughs) We're talking about Die Hard, which is a very interesting franchise because as a movie, it's one thing, and as a franchise, it's another thing. There's a formula to it that applies across all of them to some extent, mm-hmm. or except for maybe one, but there's a very distinct thing that the first movie is that the rest of the movies completely ignore. Yeah, and admittedly, a lot of what I'm going to be saying is going to be coming from an area of bias, right? because the, the first Die Hard movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is my favorite Christmas movie. But I do know that the franchise as a whole has some issues. Yes, and those issues largely stem from the first movie being so great. I just watched all of the Die Hard movies this week. In preparation for this? Yes, I had seen previously the first one and the second one, and I had sort of a general memory of the first one and very vague, like, image memories of the second one. (laughs) Uh, So I had to refresh because I wouldn't be able to talk about it otherwise. So I watched all five movies, and I noticed something. Uh, well, first of all, the th- I should explain what my point was earlier about what the franchise is versus what the movie is. What the franchise is, in terms of the formula, is you take a script for an action movie that is just lying around in a drawer that you're going, well, it's an interesting script, but we, we can't really, we can't really, it's it's not bankable. So what you do is you take John McClane and you shoehorn him into it, <laughs> and then you have a diehard movie. Admittedly, they only did that with two of those movies. Well, I, th- I think all except one were other scripts. I, I think two of them were based on books, but all of them were... Uh, well, no, three of them are based on books... Only one of them actually is the John McClane character from a book. Well, he's not named John McClane in the book. No, he's John Leland. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So the thing that the first movie is, it's based on a book. Feel free to name the book. It is an adaptation of the book of Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe. It is a semi-decent adaptation of it. They do change quite a bit, but uh, the overall thing of it is an adaptation, a pretty close adaptation. I will give an alternative perspective on that and say that it's based on a book called A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. (laughs) Uh, Because it's not just a Christmas movie or your favorite Christmas movie. It is an adaptation of A Christmas Carol in a way. Yeah, in a way. Because... Like many Christmas stories, it's about a person, quite often a man, who is a bit of a miser in some respect and is kind of focused on himself and not really seeing the needs of others to the extent that he should, which is very much that's Ebenezer Scrooge. He's a a capitalist who is not seeing the needs of his employees and of the the poor. John McClane is a man who is not seeing the needs of his wife or not properly respecting the needs of his wife because he is he has this idea in his head of what a man is supposed to be. And that is something that is brought up to him uh, later in the movie by Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber calls him a cowboy and basically mocks him for his sort of childhood fantasy of being a cowboy, which is, you know, it's a it's an American stereotype from his perspective. But what John hears is he's his man manhood is being questioned uh, in a sense. And he he that 
kind of puts him on a mental journey in that movie. And where he is toward the end of the movie, he's he's got glass in his feet and he is on the walkie-talkie talking to Al, the, the original Val Johnson character, and he is having an epiphany. He is sure that he's he's going to die. He's faced with his own mortality, much like Ebenezer Scrooge is faced with his own mortality when he meets the ghost of Christmas yet to come. He basically sees his, his own mortality and, and realizes, oh, I'm probably gonna die and I don't want to die an asshole I want my wife to know that I'm sorry I want my wife to know that I wish I would have been there for her and and supported her in her business of course his wife is is a, a successful businesswoman and he is a and, cop yeah, a successful businesswoman in LA and he's a cop in New York yes right and that has kind of been a bit of a strain on their relationship because he has this idea in his head of, of what the relationship is supposed to be and she's you know going by her maiden name professionally and he feels like he's not needed or like he's not able to be the cowboy, so to speak, that he feels on some level he's supposed to be because that's how he grew up. So by the end of the movie, he has basically changed. He has had his uh, God bless us everyone moment um in a sense and he has, he has become someone who who respects his wife and who understands that her needs are no less important than his and that if she needs to do to go by her maiden name in in business and if she ne- needs to do all these live in LA and all this stuff then he's going to be there for her as a supportive husband and by the third movie that's pretty much reversed like we've regressed the character by the third movie and it's kind of thrown away. Like it's, it's like, oh, they had a phone call and well, he's back in New York now at this point. Yeah, he's back in New York. He was apparently being a cop in LA for a little bit. Yeah. In the second movie, he was a cop in LA. Yeah. Even though the movie takes place in DC, he was a cop in LA. Right. Yes. And, uh, and by the third movie, he's moved back to New York and they had a phone call and the, she's mad at him and she doesn't want to talk to him basically. Or, and he doesn't talk to her. They haven't spoken since they had a bad phone call. Yes. And we're not really given, we're not shown that phone call, first of all. No. We're not really given the regression of the character. We're just told that, oh, that's that all that stuff that was gained in the first movie that we were shown to some extent in the second movie, it's gone now. We've, we've lost that. That's... We, 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 we have it established that John is stubborn as hell. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, he learned a lesson in the first movie, and I would have liked to see that lesson stick. Sure. And I feel like when you start throwing that away bit by bit in each movie, like, and in the, in the next movie after that, the fourth movie, it, he's got a strained relationship with his daughter, and in the fifth movie, he's got a strained relationship with his son, and it's like, it's like he keeps just regressing to that point of, like, not having learned everything that he gained in the first, and he went through all that. He was in the building, he had glass in his feet, and he had a... He talked to Reginald Bell Johnson. He's, he's a changed man at the end of the first movie. And then in the next two movies later, he's just, he, it's gone. It's, we've thrown the first movie away. The first movie is rendered meaningless by the continuation of the franchise. To me, I feel like maybe it should have just been one movie. I don't disagree with that. Uh, you obviously went with a very deep analytical dive in watching that first movie. Yeah, it's an 80s feminist retelling of A Christmas Carol. <laughs> and it's about his fragile masculinity and him overcoming his fragile masculinity. His ego, he sets it aside and then it's back. Sure, sure. I agree with your assessment, but at the same time, they are to put it in a manner that's kind of bland in saying it, but they are dumb action movies. Yes, that is the problem with the continuation of the franchise. Absolutely. I don't feel like the first movie is a dumb action movie. I feel like the first movie is a very smart action movie. And it it's also one of those movies that kind of set the bar for action movies ever since. Right. The format, the blueprint of that movie became the blueprint for every action movie. You know, they, they started calling other action movies Die Hard on a... Yeah, Die Hard on a bus. Speed is Die Hard on a bus and Under Siege is Die Hard on a boat and Air Force One is practically Die Hard on a plane and there's all... It became this blueprint, this format that people, that Hollywood used in making their action movies. Let's just do Die Hard but do it in a different place. Right. The sequels never really seemed like Die Hard but here now. Well, the... <laughs> The second movie is kind of die hard at an airport. Other than the second movie, because the second movie is 
an exact retread of the first movie. Right. Just in a different building. Well, it's not just a retread. <laughs> it's kind of treading water because it doesn't really do anything to the character arc of John McClane. No, it doesn't move forward or backward. It's just kind of stagnant. In the third movie, it w- moves backward in order to move forward to the same point or to a, an, a weaker point. And then it moves backward again to move forward. And then it moves backward again to move. He, he keeps repeating the same character arc, only weaker every time. The same cycle of duplicity. Yeah. And that, to me, is the crux of the, the problem with the franchise is Die Hard became a formula rather than appreciating the stuff that's going on underneath the surface of the first movie. So the character nuance is gone for you. Yeah, I feel like the character of John McClane basically got, he got reduced to just grumpy guy, bad family relationship, uh, does stuff, shoots people, and then stuff is a little better. Like, it's it's such like a, a minimized version of the character in all of the sequels, instead of being a continuation of his arc. Like, if we were going to go for, like, a natural progression of the character arc of John McClane from the first movie, it would be like, John McClane, stay-at-home dad. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> he's just taking care of his kids, and he's being a good dad. And then, you know, the relationship between that and his fragile masculinity of, like, He's a cowboy, but he's got to take care of his kids and still sort of... Because you know that it, recently there was a tweet by Piers Morgan with a picture of yeah. of Daniel Craig uh, carrying his baby. And he was like, emasculated James Bond. This is what society's come to. Boo-hoo. I'm a fragile man. And... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Pier- Piers Morgan is an idiot. Piers Morgan is a walking bag of douche. Yes. And that's the point. That would be like, in my head, that would be the theme of the unseen diehard two that should have in parentheses not close parentheses been because like there shouldn't have been so so you're basically saying that the other diehard sequels should just have been the vin diesel movie the pacifier Uh, well or or you know uh (laughs) mr mom crossed with home alone i don't know You could have had Home Invaders. I don't know. Sure, but sure. the bottom line is, I don't think there should have been a sequel. I think Die Hard is a perfectly fine, self-contained movie that does not need to be a franchise. Okay, I agree with that. But the fact of the matter is... It is. They have sequels. And what Hollywood has done with the character, instead of having him have his character arc remain through those, what they feel the theme of the Die Hard movies is average guy against insurmountable odds. Right. So the character growth has been ignored from the first film, and it's just focusing on John McClane. He's a cop always trying to do the right thing and is always suddenly up against insurmountable odds. By the fourth movie, he becomes a freaking superhero. Oh, and at some point he has to say yippee motherfucker. Yeah, because that's his catchphrase. Right, as opposed to being a, a line that he says in a specific situation in the first movie. Yes, which I always love the TV edit of the first movie, too. The TV edit of the second movie is my favorite. Is that the Mr. Falcon one? That's the Mr. Falcon one. Uh, yippee Mr. Falcon. Because the, the guy is... No, the, the call sign for the plane was Falcon. Oh, yeah. So he says yippee Mr. Falcon in a voice that is clearly not Bruce Willis. It's pretty fantastic. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. <laughs> What's the TV edit of the first one? He just says yippee and then it cuts to the one shot of Hans Gruber looking quizzically at the walkie-talkie. Uh. So it's it's cut really weird. I don't think that's the TV edit that was shown in Sweden because we don't have censorship the way you have yeah. in America. So yeah, yeah. I probably saw it on TV and it was uh, yippee motherfucker. Yeah, like, oh yeah, no, I'm sure. We have like insurance commercial where children say fuck like there's no <laughs> nobody gives a fuck all right like there's there's one playing on youtube right now before videos where there's like there's a literal insurance commercial it's like in a classroom with like six-year-olds or seven-year-olds or something and there's like uh, a teacher is like asking kids to recite any lyrics they know and one kid is like something about ass and fuck and i don't know and it's like that's the joke beautiful and i don't know what it has to do with insurance because i don't pay attention but that's the level of of language sense we have in Sweden. Basically, uh, none. <laughs> well, that's fair. Um, I have a tower. I have Nakatomi Tower. This is what the Blu-ray box set came in. Let's, let's look at the franchise here. The first movie 
is based on a novel called Nothing Lasts Forever. Right, which is a sequel to another book. Which is a sequel to another book called The Detective. In 1968, The Detective was made into a movie with Frank Sinatra in the lead role as Detective Leland. Because Nothing Lasts Forever is a sequel to that book, when they made Die Hard, they had to offer the lead role to Frank Sinatra because it was under contract. In 1988, Frank Sinatra was 77, so he turned the role down. The role was also offered to Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger. That wouldn't have worked. Neither of those would really have worked. Richard Gere and a couple other people. And it finally went to Bruce Willis and turned Bruce Willis into an action movie star. From previously having been a comedian? He was a television star who primarily was semi-comedy focused. Moonlighting had had hints of comedy in it. It was a television dramedy, if you want to use a portmanteau. And his only other movie before that was Blind date, I think, which was pretty much a comedy. So he's wisecracking. So that worked for that role. The second movie is based on a short story, I think, called 51 Minutes, which is not written by Thorpe. It's not written by the guy who wrote the first Die Hard. It's written by somebody else. Right. And then adapted to be a Die Hard movie. The third Die Hard movie, Die Hard with a Vengeance, was originally a script that was bouncing around Hollywood called Simon Says. And they, as you said, shoehorned John McClane into that. The first movie based on a book. Second movie is based on a short story. Third movie, I'm sorry, no. The second movie is a book. 51 Minutes is a book. Third movie was a script that they shoehorned John McClane in. I think it was supposed to be a Brandon Lee movie. Yeah, I think so. I think I had heard that as well. Called Simon Says. The fourth movie, which in America is called Live Free or Die Hard and overseas is called Die Hard 4.0, was based on a short story called Fire Sale Mm. and turned into a script called ww3.com and that script was abandoned after 9-11 and then re-picked up and formatted into a diehard script right because that's what you do with a script that is in a drawer somewhere yes so technically it's both based on a book and a script <laughs> right the fifth diehard movie a good day to die hard is the only movie in the franchise written to be a diehard sequel and yet is the least diehard movie out of all of them. It feels like it's some script from a drawer somewhere that somebody shoehorned. It feels like it, yes, because John McClane and to a lesser extent Jack McClane barely fit in the script. They're not even characters. Yeah, and especially in the extended edition. Even like the one thing that is consistent about John McClane from movie to movie is gone in the fifth one, which is he talks to himself. He addresses himself as John whenever he's like alone and frustrated. He talks to himself, calling himself John, and that he doesn't do that in the fifth one, as far as I can recall. Not in the extended edition. Here's something really weird about the extended edition. They eliminate an entire character. Really? Lucy McClane from the fourth movie carries over into the fifth movie. John McClane talks to her on the phone while he's driving through Russia, chasing after Jack, John Jr. That part is completely deleted from the extended edition. Huh. So there is this thing of him. You have in the extended edition, John McClane shouting, I'm on vacation. But there's none of the setup of him being on vacation in the extended edition. Yeah, I, they I edited was, that out. I, I barely even picked up that he was on vacation. Basically, yeah, I had no. to stop the movie and, and ask you, hey, uh, I'm like a half hour into the movie and I have no idea why he's even in Russia. And you were like, uh, he's on vacation. And I'm like, okay. yeah, in the original cut, you've got the part where he's at the shooting gallery in the opening of the movie yeah. at the police force and the guy from Prison Break who (laughs) works there comes in and tells him they found his son. His son's in trouble in Russia. And so John just decides to up and go to Russia. Is there a TV cop in every Die Hard movie? <laughs> well, what's funny is Murray in Alaska, or I don't know if that's his exact name, but the guy the guy who plays the cop in Die Hard 5 played a prisoner in Prison Break. Oh, okay. Because in the first one, you've got Reginald Vell Johnson, who was, of course, the cop dad on Family Matters. The second one, you've got the guy from NYPD Blue. Right. I don't remember what his name is. I can't think of it either. But anyway, the cop in the fifth movie is actually a trademark of the director of the movie because he was also in Max Payne. Mm. That's right. The guy who directed Die Hard 5 also directed Max Payne. Yeah. One of the worst video game adaptations ever. <laughs> and uh, the screenwriter or one of the screenwriters 
There's only one screenwriter for five. Okay, well, then th- that one screenwriter was one of the screenwriters of X-Men Origins Wolverine, which yeah. is a movie I have stated my opinions of to some extent. Yes. I'm not going to go into it further. No, that was said about that. Well, better. I will say, I think it's a terrible prequel, which I think fits here as well, because this is a terrible sequel. Yes, exactly. So it didn't have a lot going for it. It's boring and fails at everything. I don't get how Jack got wrapped up in all that, because he's barely got any contact with his dad, apparently. And his mom is... We don't even know where, where Holly is at this point. Holly is gone after the third movie. She's on the phone in the third movie. She's not even in the third movie. She's on the phone in one scene. Yeah. And she's talked about. She's mentioned in this movie, but she's... John says, you're really going to disappoint your mother. And that's about the only thing we hear about Holly in that movie. Yeah, because in the previous one, they mentioned they were divorced. Which, again, all the progress made in the third movie where they're going to talk on the phone. It's like, no, that led to nothing. They got divorced. Admittedly, that's kind of realistic. Because guys don't learn shit. <laughs> yeah, but it's a movie. It's supposed it's, to. I know. It's supposed to give you hope that people can change. It's supposed to give you that false sense of security. I understand that. Men suck. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the whole overarching plot point of John going to Russia is he's found out his son is in trouble and he goes there to confront him and probably get bail him out, not realizing that A, he's in trouble with a whole Russian mob scene. And B, he's actually undercover as a CIA agent in this mob scene, which is in the extended edition, but really kind of glazed over. All the interaction between John and Jack is very glossed over. Like everything is glossed over in this movie. It's basically the tiny points of dialogue, the tiny points of character interaction that they have is just a minuscule moment of quiet before they get to the next explosion, before they get to the next big action scene. Yeah. And it's just a pile of awful. It's a really boring movie. It really is. I, I watched it last night, and I, I had not seen the extended edition. I had only seen the theatrical. And I watched the extended edition last night, because that was the only version you were able to see. And, oh man, it's it's even worse than the theatrical version, and the theatrical version is not good either. And the director apparently prefers the extended version. Yeah, because it gets all of that plot out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the reason we're talking about this particular franchise, not just because I enjoy the movies, five notwithstanding, but mostly because they are talking about doing a sixth Die Hard movie. They are talking about doing a, unfortunately, John McClane origin story. Which they're calling John McClane, right? No, well, see, that's the thing. Nobody knows what they're calling it. Originally, they were calling it McClane. Or actually, originally, they were calling it Die Hard Year One because there is a comic by Howard Chaikin called Die Hard Year One. It was a 10-issue, 12-issue miniseries or something like that. Was it good? It's not bad, actually. It's not great. He's a beat cop. He's, you know, in the in the blue uniform in the 70s on Independence Day and stops uh, kidnapping or a heist on a yacht because he's walking the beat and he gets wrangled into being security on this boat and ends up saving the day. And it's like, yeah, okay, that's kind of cool, but at the same time, how often does this happen to the same guy? Yeah, I'm I'm already thinking that in the second movie. I'm like, this again at Christmas? They even say it as a line of dialogue in the second movie. (laughs) Yeah. Because I'm already like, why does this happen again two Christmases later? And his wife is involved and the Richard, the, the TV guy. Richard Thornton. Yeah. Who finagled his way into their house by threatening their nanny. Yeah. Richard Thornburg, the foil for everyone in any 80s movie. <laughs> yeah. The, the thing about him is when he threatened their nanny and got into their house in the first movie, my thought was, okay, after this, this is like a perfect reason for John McClane to not be a cop anymore. He's got to protect those kids in the second movie because their nanny's not. Yeah. And to no fault of of her own, really, because she was threatened with deportation. Yeah. Admittedly, there is probably the whole thing of that's why he moved back to L.A., you know, and they're flying to D.C. to meet the family. So in Die Hard 2, McClane actually says another terrorist, another big building. How often can this happen to the same guy? And supposedly it's only happened once before, and that was Nakatomi Tower. Now we're saying he's 
you know, been the one guy against the insurmountable odds before this in his origin story. So originally when they were pitching the sixth movie, it was going to be based on this Howard Chaikin comic called Die Hard Year One. Then they were going to call it Die Hard Origins, which stopped putting origins in titles. <laughs> I'm tired of seeing it. And then they were just going to call it McLean. They have not said fully what it's going to be about. They just said it's John McLean before the first Die Hard movie. Is this a good idea? Is this an idea that they should move forward with? Most people are saying no. I'm inclined to agree with most people. And if they're going to do a prequel, what should it be well to me my thought is in the first movie it's a perfect self-contained story about this guy who's never been in this situation before being in this situation adapting to it and then overcoming the odds which is you know it's paralleling his situation of like he's a man he's in this situation where women are in power and he's adapting to that situation like it's it's a nice parallel thing of there's there's the cowboy adapting to the weird terrorist situation that's actually a robbery and and there's, at the same time, the man adapting to feminism. There's these parallels happening, and it's like, the whole point to me is, this hasn't happened before to this guy, to men, because <laughs> this guy represents men. Sure. And the idea of doing a prequel to it, it's like, don't, don't tell me anything more about this guy. His story was told fully in the first movie. I don't need to know what happened before. I don't need to know what happened after, because I'm perfectly happy imagining that after that, he went home and took care of his kids. And, and before that, he was a cop who was a little bit too much of a tough guy. That's yeah. That's all I need. So, in your eyes, Die Hard shouldn't be a franchise. It should just be that one movie. And the movies that happened after it, for you, they're not canon. Yeah, they're fanfics. And I somewhat agree with that. I still enjoy those movies. Yeah, the third one is a solid movie. It's a solid, solid action movie. And the fourth one is fine. The fourth one is fine. I actually really like the fourth one, mostly because of Kevin Smith. <laughs> Kevin Smith, who wrote his own dialogue for that movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can kind of tell that he just kind of rewrote it. They shot it in Baltimore, which is where I'm from. I was living in Baltimore at the time. And when they showed it at the big theater in Baltimore, the Senator Theater, it said, Live Free or Die Hard, starring Baltimore on the big marquee. So they were really excited about that. I liked that. But regardless of all that, I like those movies. That really isn't John McClane. Yeah, you didn't need John McClane in them. And that's that's where I'm g eventually going with my oh, point. Uh, yeah, and that's the other thing about this prequel. Or maybe it's going to be a reboot. You know, if they're going to call it McClane, you know, let's just reboot the fringe. It's a separate thing from Die Hard, you know? You don't have the rights to call it Die Hard. <laughs> like, the Jason movies don't have the rights to call it Friday the 13th after a point. You know, it's Jason Goes to Hell and then Jason X, you know? So, I've only seen Jason X, and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> of that being the only Jason movie to see, that's not terrible. I like space movies. I don't like horror movies. What can I say? <laughs> I like it. <laughs> That's a good way to go about things. So for this, I think rather than it being a prequel to the series that we know, the franchise that we know, or in your opinion, the one movie, let's just make McLean a reboot because you, otherwise you are and not saying that they should even do this movie. It's a bad idea. <laughs> don't make any more diehard movies. It's diminishing returns, especially don't make it a prequel. But if you're going to make it a prequel, just make it a reboot, because how often can this happen to the same guy? Guy. Obviously, in the first Die Hard movie, that's the first time it happened to that guy. So having a thing that happened before that kind of negates even the first movie. Yeah, just like the sequels negated the first movie by reversing the character arc. Exactly, exactly. So in this instance, I would say in an ideal world, they're not going to make it. In this world that we currently live in, obviously they're trying to move forward with something, and I would say for this IP, there are two possibilities that they should go with. The first, obviously, being make McLean a reboot of the franchise, set it in the 70s the way Die Hard Year One is set, but let's establish a new John McLean character in that. That you then can do a coherent character arc with. That you can do a character arc with and keep that character arc through the uh, remaining movies. Or, don't give him that character character arc and just make Die Hard 2 through 5 the sequels to that movie. That's an idea. The other option they have is Die Hard 6, 
no John McClane at all, just following Jack McClane, John McClane Jr. Or Lucy. Or Lucy. I would love to see a movie with Lucy. But I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead is great, and I love her in everything she's in. But yeah, have it be about the continuation of the family. If you tell a story about Lucy, I think you can get back to the original theme of cowboy versus feminism. Because I think if you have Lucy kind of representing the more modern cinematic idea of feminism, there's something to do there with Lucy. But other than that, I would say if you have like a script that says Die Hard 6 on it or John McClane, I think the poetic thing to do with that is to take John McClane out of it and put someone else into it. Yeah. And go, it's not Die Hard. It's something else now, because yeah. that's the reverse of what they've done with a lot of the Die Hard movies. So in your opinion, a movie called John McClane should just be the follow-up to Die Hard. He's just that character that would be what you would want his character to be after Die Hard, staying home with the kids. <laughs> and John McClane is basically Mr. Mom with guns. Uh, well, that's Or even without guns. Just... <laughs> Not necessarily what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, if you take a script that says Die Hard, and it's got a character named John McClane in it, like, that's what you have in a drawer. That's the script that you have. You have, a, you have a Die Hard script. You take that script, you erase the words Die Hard, you take the character of John McClane out of it, all references that are connected to the Die Hard franchise, you remove them, you put in a new character, and you create a new action hero, and you stop making Die Hard movies. <laughs> So basically doing a reverse of what they've done with previous scripts for Die Hard movies. I get it. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But that said, the other alternative would be to spin off Lucy and maybe Jack as a secondary character. But really, nobody cares about what's his name? Jai Courtney. Yeah. Playing Jack. He's not a bankable action star. Here's the thing, man. Jai Courtney has been shoved into so many franchises. He's John McClane's son, John Jr. Yeah, I liked him in Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later that I'm currently watching. (laughs) I have. I haven't seen that. But I think he just left the show after the episode that I watched him in last, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I don't need to see him again. He's Kyle Reese in Terminator Genesis. I have not seen that movie. That's okay. I liked it, but it's not great. I fully admit. Because I saw the trailer, and they spoiled it, yeah. and I was like, well, that's obviously the big twist. Don't tell me the big twist. Yeah, the uh, the trailers for that were terrible, because they absolutely... They spoil it on in the trailer and then the posters afterward, and luckily... Because my mom is a huge fan of the Terminator franchise, and luckily she hadn't seen the trailer that spoiled everything, because that would have really pissed her off, because that character, you shouldn't do that to that character. They're clearly ignoring that for the next Terminator movie they're doing. Yeah, that was the reason why I didn't go see that movie, because... Perfectly acceptable reason. The marketing yeah. ruined it. So he's he's John McLean Jr., he's Kyle Reese, he's also Captain Boomerang... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Suicide Squad. Right. The only time I've seen him play an actual character. Because in all those other movies, he's just random, buzz-cut, tough guy. Yeah, Mr. Bland guy. Mr. Bland, like, completely, you could imprint anything on top of him, and it's just the same carbon copy action dude. Yeah, he's not a Chris. That's the thing. <laughs> he's a rejected Chris prototype that just didn't work. He's too boring. Chris? Well, yeah, you know how Hollywood has a bunch of Chris's who just fucking work? <laughs> oh, you mean like the Hemsworth, the Pike, the, the I get it. Pine. Pine, that's what it, well, because I'm thinking Commander Pike in Star Wars and Chris Pine is in the movie, so Star Trek. Jesus, did I just say Star Wars? Good Lord, what's wrong with me? Yeah, and you got your uh, your Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth and your, your, yeah. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of Chris's who are just good and stuff. Chris Pratt. Yeah, yeah Chris Pratt. And then you've got this guy. Jai Courtney. And he's just not. He doesn't have any screen presence. No, not at all. And they keep putting him in things. And seriously, Captain Boomerang is the only thing where he actually played a character, which is sad that that was in Suicide Squad. (laughs) So what I'm saying is I think Lucy is a better bet for the next Die Hard movie. And especially the way they portray her in Die Hard 4. Yeah, because she has that thing of like, she's not prepared for this, but she is adapting to it. There's like a hint there of John McClane. You watch that movie and you absolutely say to yourself that is clearly john mcclain's kid yeah because she's kidnapped but she is calm she knows how to handle herself in a situation she knows how to fight she's not unrealistically calm because she's still freaking out but she's handling it she's still freaking out but she's controlling yeah she's adapting as soon as john gets on the walkie-talkie with her she very slyly just goes there's this many terrorists yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. So absolutely, I would love a movie about Lucy McLean. Jack McLean is milk toast. He's boring. He's just there. And there's not really there's especially after that fifth movie, there's not a character. Yeah, I mean, you could recast it, I suppose, and and change the writing a lot. So, yeah, after that fifth movie, there's not even a character there. So, yeah, yeah, it's not worth. that would be the one they want to follow, obviously, because, hey, he's a CIA agent and he's a guy who wants to be doing right and having action things happen. Let's follow Lucy. You're absolutely right. I think we should follow Lucy in uh, Crystal Skull. What was the name of uh, Shia LaBeouf's character? Oh, Mutt Williams. Mutt Williams. Right. That character was clearly designed to... Carry on the franchise. Yeah, to be a spin-off character, and it just didn't land. Nobody cared. Failed miserably. And that's how I feel about Jack McClane. He is clearly like the intended spin-off character who just does not have it in him to carry a franchise. <laughs> Absolutely agree. Let's go back to four and spin it off with Lucy instead. Lucy McClane, let that be the thing. Yeah, and then you can go, okay, let's set John McClane aside. He was like... he showed promise in the first movie and then it kind of fell apart after that gradually he just lost everything but now you have Lucy McLean and you go okay this is a character who kind of has a lot of drive but at the same time is not someone who's been she didn't exactly take control of the entire situation when she was kidnapped no which you wouldn't expect her to but she showed promise exactly and that's the thing it's a starting point she is someone who has been in a terrible situation made it through and is now maybe if you put her in a situation where her dad is not going to be there to save her maybe you start the movie with like John McLean is dead he is not going to come save her because he is in the ground. Yeah. You start it with his funeral and you go, okay, Lucy McLean is, she's, she's got this feeling of like, I kind of cut my dad out of my life. I kind of got back in touch with him a little bit, but we still didn't quite fully, like he was always that guy who didn't quite evolve. He tried and I appreciate that. And like, now that I'm looking back at my, my dad's life, I'm like, yeah, he's, he was that guy who was like, he was trying, but he wasn't quite able to adapt to that because he was still the cowboy. Right. Now I'm this person. I am me. I am not my dad, but now I, Lucy end up in a situation where, holy shit, I gotta be my dad. I think that's a great idea. I think that is definitely where if they're going to do anything with the franchise, that's what they should do. And then all of the man children on the Internet are going to whine and be like, oh, feminists are ruining my diehard. And I I say to them, watch the first movie. The first movie is a feminist movie. Shut the fuck up. They won't get it. We need to get back to that. They won't get it. They won't see that. Of course not. But that's what it is. Because they've seen the first diehard movie and they never realize that. Yeah, but. It's there. It's so there. And I want to see a return to the feminist message of Die Hard and uh, to tell a story about uh, a young woman coming into her own against, uh, I don't know, terrorists pretending to be thieves. Sure. Terrorists pretending to be thieves. You mean thieves pretending to be terrorists. No, I'm, <laughs> I mean terrorists pretending to be thieves because we're, we're inverting it. Now we're dealing with <laughs> actual political terrorists who are not stating their agenda. Instead, they're pretending to steal stuff. Oh, that's amazing. They're going in to steal bear bonds, but they're actually stealing state secrets. Yeah. It's subterfuge because Die Hard a lot of the time is about subterfuge. The first movie, you've got the thieves staging this terrorist situation in order to steal a bunch of stuff. Bear bonds, then yeah. in the second movie, I don't remember what the agenda was because I watched it on 1.5 speed on my phone while doing other stuff. <laughs> the second movie is they're bringing in a terrorist from overseas who's been arrested and they're bringing him in for a trial and the general played by William Sadler is trying to break him out. Oh, right. There was the general who was like, they thought he was on their side, but he turned it turned out he was on the terrorist side. Yeah. So that's the subterfuge in the second movie. Subterfuge in the third movie is, again, it's about stealing, right? They're stealing the gold, but they're... Pretending to blow it up when actually they're taking it. Yeah, and, and also there's like multiple layers of subterfuge before that, before they even get to the gold because they're creating this diversion in order to steal the gold in the first place. Yeah, thinking they're going to blow up the school. Yeah. And so all the cops are away from them so that they can freely steal all the gold. Yeah. Yeah, and they're pretending it's about revenge. Against McLean. Yeah, for the death of Hans Gruber, uh, the brother of, of Simon Gruber. And in the fourth movie, it's again about subterfuge and it's again about money because this whole big terrorist act, the fire sale, the fire sale is not about a political statement. It's about, hey, your security system is shit pay me to fix it. Right. I'm going to show you how shitty it is. 
pay me to fix it. That's basically what it is. And also they're stealing a bunch of money. Right. Uh, so, so it's like there's this ongoing theme of subterfuge in the villain plots in Die Hard. And I guess you would have to have that still be there. I guess there was kind of one in five. I don't even understand the plot of five because I was so bored. Yeah. So Jack McClane is undercover. Oh, right. There was the Russian guy and his daughter. Yeah. And they were pretending that she had turned on him, but they were working together. Yeah, exactly. To steal a whole bunch of uranium. Ugh. And the reason was also, yeah, the reason they went through the whole thing was they pretending it was about one thing, but it was about the theft. So, yeah. And it's always about money. So uh, <laughs> there's this ongoing thing of like pretending to do one thing while doing another thing in all the diehard movies. And I think that's something that would, because that's the format now, I guess that's a thing that you got to carry through. So just reverse it. Have it be like, we're pretending to steal stuff or we're pretending to be about the money, but it's actually about something bigger. Yeah. It's about a bigger political agenda. Yeah. That's a brilliant idea. I love that. I would love to see that movie and, and having Lucy McLean. And it could be MRAs. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Let's not give them the spotlight. Come on. But it would be so funny. <laughs> I'm sure it would be funny. Let's not give them the spotlight. Let's not do that. Yeah, because their, their agenda is against women. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that oh, might be a God. little, like, uh, writing past the point. Yeah, a little bit. A yeah. little bit. Yeah, the, the I'm not going to get too deep into that, because that's a thing that keeps happening in various stories where I'm like, yeah, uh, you, you got a, a few steps past the point. So, yeah, don't do that. But yeah, don't lose the plot on that. So yeah, theft, political agenda, and Lucy. So yeah, so if you're gonna do another Die Hard movie, drop the prequel idea, drop Jack McClane because he's bland and useless. Yeah, if you're gonna use Jack for anything, have him be a supporting character. Yeah, have him be a pencil pusher at this point. Have him moved to desk jockey, and he hates it. Make him the Al Powell of this movie. Yes. Make him the Al Powell of this movie. Make him not being able to be on the scene make him behind the scenes that Lucy's communicating with and him giving a, a couple of the, the pointers on things what to do and everything but he can't get there he's stuck at a desk somewhere or outside of the situation yeah cause his boss Agent Johnson <laughs> yes uh, no relation no relation <laughs> His boss, Agent Johnson, no relation, is basically just keeping him stuck at the desk. He's basically chained him to the desk. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Because of his fuck up in Russia. Yeah, that's even better. Have him playing the Al Powell original Vel Johnson support role in this movie. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, speaking of, of Reginald Vel Johnson and Lucy McLean, there is a diehard video game that came out on GameCube and was on PS2 overseas called Die Hard Vendetta. Oh. And it is somebody kidnaps young Lucy McLean and John McLean has to go save her and the only actor they got to do a voice in it is Reginald Vell Johnson. Mm. Since it was on GameCube, yeah, I think it came out after Die Hard 3. They brought <laughs> Al Powell's character back for this game. Nice. They've done a bunch of the Die Hard. I actually really like the Die Hard games. The NES game is okay but then they did Die Hard Trilogy for PlayStation and Saturn and Die Hard Trilogy each movie is a different game type. I'm going off on a tangent here that's not important. It's fine. But they've done diehard sequels in the games, too. So that was more my point. Right. And you're saying some of them are good. Some of them, uh, they're not great, but they're at least entertaining. Okay. <laughs> do they have, like, the staples of the movies? Like, do they have John McClane talking to himself? Do they have... Oh, yeah. Oh, constantly. And the, the thing about Die Hard Trilogy is the first Die Hard Trilogy is all three movies, but they're each different game types. The first Die Hard movie is a third-person action game where you're running around the different levels of the Nakatomi Tower shooting bad guys. The second Die Hard movie in the game is a light gun game. Huh. So you're at the airport shooting terrorists. The third Die Hard movie in the Die Hard trilogy game is a driving game. Huh. So you're driving taxis and other things across the city, driving over the bombs to deactivate them and getting different time things. And it's a racing game. It's really unique. It's an interesting format. It was a really cool format. They did a sequel to Die Hard trilogy called Die Hard trilogy two. None of the other movies had come out yet. They'd only had the first three movies. So this one's called Die Hard Trilogy 2 Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> and it is just the same three formats with an overarching plot. Oh. <laughs> 
Interesting. It's ridiculous. And then there's Die Hard Arcade, which was a Japanese game called Dynamite Cop that when they put it in the arcades in America, they just put John McClane in it and is the first instance of quick time events being in a game even before God of War. And then, of course, Dynamite Cop 2 was released uh, without John McClane on Dreamcast. There's Nakatomi Plaza on PC. There was an NES Die Hard game. I like the Die Hard games. Cool. Little tangent. Sorry. No, it's totally fine. This is the time for tangents because I've 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 made my points. So I don't think there's really much else we can say about this. The Die Hard Year One comics are good, but they sort of negate what happens to John in the first Die Hard movie being a new situation for him. Right. And taking that into an idea for a prequel negates the first movie, negates the newness of the situation of the first movie. John would have said, oh, this is like another crazy situation I've gotten myself into. And clearly it's not. Die Hard is the first time this has happened to John McClane. So, right. Maybe taking the plots from the comic and making that a reboot, but I think going with the Lucy plot for the sequel instead is ultimately the better idea. Right. And I think that may be all we have to say about that. (laughs) Is there anything else that we can think of? Because we had that moment in the Spider-Man episode and in the Back to the Future episode where we thought we were done and then we went weird. I don't think you can really go weird with the Die Hard franchise. Die Hard in space. No. John McClane. (laughs) We've said, like, don't do another John McClane movie, but... If you've got to do another Die Hard 6 with John McClane, old Bruce Willis, where do you send him? What's not been done? And the answer to that is space. You know what? If, if you're going to do old John McClane, let's wait another five years, ten years. Put John McClane in an old folks home. Okay. And have some sort of terrorist plot happen there. And he's still trying to <laughs> repair his relationship with his he's kids. He's still trying to repair. His, his, he's estranged from his kids again. <laughs> Holly lives in the same old folks home, but she is several doors down and doesn't talk to him. And every so often he humbly goes up to the door to knock and then he doesn't knock and he turns away. <laughs> and and when where where does the subterfuge come in? Everything is being run by the old folks home. <laughs> the, the old folks home, the people who run it, the the orderlies and the nurses and the people who, who work the counter, they're the ones who are scamming and taking everybody's money. <laughs> <laughs> Right, and and that's what he has to deal with. That's what he has to solve. That's what he has to solve and stop. And randomly, he's hidden a gun <laughs> in his room because he knew they would take his gun away. And so he uses that, and it's going to end up being a comedy unintentionally. <laughs> Where are the explosions? <laughs> he he blows up like a heart monitor or something. I don't I don't know. I have no idea. This is all terrible, terrible spitballing. But yeah. Okay, so we've got John McClane in the old folks home. We've got John McClane in space. That that doesn't really need much uh, explanation. John McClane in space, that's all you need to know about it. And you know what? Make John McClane in space, make him a head in a jar. Make him just the full Futurama. And and it just gets attached to a robot and he has to just John McClane his way through space. <laughs> that is a perfect description. Uh, and also, John McClane in time. John McClane goes back in time oh to, to basically prevent the arc from the first movie from being reversed. I would say let's do that, but only let's do that with his son, so we can call it Jack in Time. Jack to the future. (laughs) Um, Yes. (laughs) Let's do it with Jack McClane. Let's maybe get a different actor in there, but let's see. (laughs) This is the Back to the Future reboot. We do the Back to the Future reboot with, with, we just call it Jack to the Future. It's Jack McClane going back in time to save his dad's character arc. (laughs) So that none of the sequels happened uh that's brilliant we've done it again yep Okay, so we've got the Lucy movie, which is, you know, Die Hard the Next Generation. Sure. Sort of a legacy sequel. Sure. We've got the reboot. McLean, and where the other sequels are actually sequels to that movie as opposed to the original Die Hard. Right. Sort of isolating Die Hard into its own canon. Sure. (laughs) And we've got Jack to the Future. We got old folks home John McLean, old man McLean. Yeah. And we've got John McLean in space, Die Hard in space. What would you call Die Hard in space? Because all of the sequels, I think, have some sort of a play on the title. Today is a good day to die hard. Well, no, because we have a good day to die hard. But I was thinking along the Klingon proverb, today is a good day to die. Oh. <laughs> but a good day to die hard was what they called the fifth one. Where no man has died hard before. Oh, God. 
Uh, oh my god, that's almost that's the tagline on the poster where no man has died hard before. Good lord. Die hard wars. <laughs> oh god. None of these are good. <laughs> They're all terrible. They're all terrible. I think clearly if you're gonna do Die Hard in Space, all of your fucks are gone anyway, so you just call it Die Hard in Space. Yeah. If you're making that movie, there are no fucks left to be had. They're all gone and you're just gonna go with fuck it. It's Die Hard in Space. What do you want us to call it? Yeah. <laughs> No, what do you want and, is the tagline. Die hard in space. What do you want? <laughs> well, I was thinking the tagline is where no man has die hard before. Die hard in space. But uh, yeah, the tagline, what do you want, is great. <laughs> I will say, as bad as Die Hard 5 is, the tagline for that is my favorite tagline, which is yippee Kaye, mother Russia. Yeah. That, but it, but the that movie does not live up to that great tagline. <laughs> I think they started with the tagline and then wrote the movie. That's entirely possible. Because they certainly didn't start with the title. Because the title is no. garbage. You know what you could do, which is what they've done with the Halloween movies, is they could do a Die Hard sequel that ignores the other Die Hard movies and have it actually legit be, he has been a family man all these years. We put we put Bruce Willis back into it, and this movie ignores the canon of the other movies. He retains the character arc from the first movie, and he's been living in L.A. with Holly, staying with the kids, and then it's another crazy situation 30 years later after the fact. Yeah, and now he's got to get back into the cowboy exactly. thing because he's lost it. It's been too long. Yeah. That's an idea as well. You know, it's been too long. He's been out of the game. He's been a beat cop. Not really a beat cop. He's still been a detective, but he's been a detective in LA and it's kind of been not as difficult or as challenging to him as it once was in New York or with the Nakatomi thing. That thing only happened once. It's only had one crazy situation because honestly, how often can that happen to a guy? Yeah. And, you know, he's been a stay-at-home dad for a while. He's nearing retirement age. And, you know, he's been with the kids. He's got a good relationship with his kids. He's got a, a good relationship with Holly. He's been there. He's been the family man. He's had the growth and kept it. And then another situation comes about where he has to kind of put on the air of the, well, I'm the one normal guy in this crazy situation. I know what has to be done. Yeah. That's a movie as well. Yeah. So that's uh, Die Hard 2 again. Yeah. Die Hard 2 again. Well, <laughs> Die harder again. Die hardest. Was the um, second movie called Die Harder? Yes, it is. It's called Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Okay. I think this one should just be called Die Hardest. <laughs> Ignoring 2 through 5 and just going from Die Hard to Die Hardest. Basically, 2 through 5 were like dreams. Exactly. He had a nightmare where everything went to shit. Or they're not even dreams. They're not even dreams. They're just ignored canon the way that Halloween 2 through 6 is. Yeah, System Restore. 7, whatever it is. Because the new Halloween that came out is a direct sequel to the first Halloween. Yeah, we've talked about that. So yeah, let's do that with the franchise. Ignore the other movies. They still exist. You can still enjoy them, but they're not canon anymore when we put this movie out. So. Right. There would be uh, inevitably a response of, yeah, but the third one's good, though. Yeah, but the fourth one's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Which then we've had people, well, honestly, I don't think we've had people saying that with the Halloween movies. <laughs> <laughs> or with Terminator. Or with Terminator. Other than maybe people going, well, the Sarah Connor Chronicles was all right. Yeah, like me. I say that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I watched that up to a point. It got a little too overtly Christian for me. Yeah, when they brought in Shirley Manson, it kind of lost the plot a little. Because there's always been like a sort of metatextual religious undertone to Terminator. Sure. But once it gets in the text, it loses me because it's like, no, that's writing past the point again. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we don't want that to happen with Die Hard. Uh, no. <laughs> But anyway, there are always going to be the people who say, well, no, I still liked this one. You can still like those movies. That's fine. This doesn't erase those movies from history. This doesn't shit on your childhood or anything like that. This is just the proper way to carry the franchise through because we want to retain that character arc that he had in the first movie. Right. Yeah, I, th I think we've covered it. I think so. I, I think, think so. we just saved Die Hard. I think we did. You're welcome, Fox. We ourselves, we have died hard for you. Well, I guess you're welcome, Disney. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess now because Disney's owned Fox, I guess does that mean, well, he's been a superhero in four and five. He lived through things no human could live through. Let's put him on the Avengers. Are you <laughs> saying he also lived through the snap? <laughs> That's it. That's what the sequel is. That's why Lu That's why he's not around in Lucy's movie. Die Hard during the snap. Oh my gosh. Holy shit. <laughs> Everybody's just like half of humanity is just disappearing and John McClane is like, I'm going to deal with this. And he just goes to throw Thanos off of every tall building. Yep. <laughs> 
Okay, that's enough. We should probably call it here before we get too out of control with this. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we have been your IP consultants. I am Ian. And I'm Vincent. If you have an IP that you want us to consult on, you can email us at IPConsultantsPodcast at gmail.com or visit us on Twitter at IPConsultPod or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash IPConsultPod. All right, well, we'll see you again on the next episode. Have a tasteful tuna.